2: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, a podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicuniverse.com. I'm Seb Patrick. And I'm James Hunt. And we'll be bringing you a truncated edition of the show to bridge the gap between our Justice League and Sky High episodes. Uh, And on this slightly format-breaking Minnesota... um, basically to give Joe a bit of a chance to actually sit down and breathe and, and read some comics uh, due to his insane schedule with his new job, um, we're going to be giving you a run through of the latest comic book movie and TV news and we're also going to give a bit of time over to discussing some pretty major recent developments in the world of comics themselves because I think it's, you know, we, we talk about comics on the podcast anyway but I think they're also things that, that could have an important effect on, on the comics multimedia movie world I, Yeah, I think well. it's,
3: it's safe to say some of these definitely will.
2: Yeah, yeah. so I don't know if if this will be the only time we do a news roundup like this, or if it might become a more regular thing that you have some non-Joe mini-episodes. We'll just see how it goes, but um, let's crack on with uh, what's been making the the headlines in the comic book movie world over the last (laughs) last several
1: months.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So I think the biggest piece of news that we've not talked about on the podcast is that Jude Law has been cast in Captain Marvel, and is playing the sort of—I was going to say human incarnation. I mean, he's going to be playing Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel at uh, Marvel.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we just talked about this a little bit off mic. I'm I'm not certain what the um, whether he has actually been confirmed as Marvel or if it's just something that's being largely assumed. What's what's the What's what's the credentials for for saying that he that he is actually Marvel? I mean, I've
3: seen a little uh, casting snippet which says his name is uh, Walter Lawson or whatever, and that he's going to be the the right yeah the so the secret identity of Captain Marvel on Earth.
2: I mean, the thing that I think's best about this that I saw someone point out is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has now got two screen <laughs> incarnations of Holmes and Watson. So that's pretty good going. Yeah,
3: it would be good to get all those characters on screen in some yeah. contrived manner.
2: I don't think we will though, because isn't Cap- Captain Marvel supposed to be set in the 90s, isn't it?
3: Yeah, like so, I I kind of suspect she's going to turn up in Avengers Infinity War and then Yeah. they'll do an origin story in between the two Avengers movies or something.
2: And it seems kind of likely that that origin story will probably involve Marvel being Captain Marvel maybe in the 90s and at some point probably dying and passing on his power to yeah. Carol Danvers. I mean, she
3: she got her powers as part of like an accident involving the original Captain Marvel, so it's mm. pretty... I mean, we don't know how close they're going to stick to the comics, mm. but you could safely, but he had... safely bet that Jude Law will not be alive by the end of this movie. Yeah,
2: I mean, he, he is a character that almost as much as, oh, I was going to say Bucky... Almost as much as. I was going to say Jason Todd. <laughs> almost, almost as much as Uncle Ben, he's defined by being dead. So, <laughs> you know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, he didn't die in the in the Karadamas version of the origin story. No, well, no, he,
2: he died in, in the Death of Captain Marvel story. It's just that... I mean, it, it's funny, actually, that that doesn't get... You know, there is this running thing about, oh, there's certain characters that, that always stay dead in comics and gradually they've disappeared down the years. But given when Death of Captain Marvel was, and given that it was be, certainly before Jason Todd, I don't think it was before Gwen Stacy, I'm surprised that Captain Marvel isn't on that list because has he come back? Uh, he's the kind of character
3: who comes back...
2: In okay, very he cheating
3: does. ways, like he's right. he's never come back to life. Like but
2: he's never he's never properly been the current Captain Marvel yeah, since. But dying, like versions
3: of him have come back. Like mm. when Secret Invasion happened, I think there was a scroll version of him around, who had his own series for a while. And right for a while, uh, there was a time displaced version of him who was brought back, f- uh, brought forward from before his death. Mm. So I mean, they generally do it. What they used to do was every few years they had to publish a comic called Captain Marvel.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that they could
3: retain the the rights to the yeah. trademark.
2: Because, yeah, if, if they lost that trademark, DC would be able to publish it. Actually, yeah. I don't know if DC would be able to, it's just that Marvel wouldn't be able to. I can't imagine... If, if the trademark on that name specifically lapsed, I still don't think DC could put the word Marvel in front of a comic without no. Marvel <laughs> challenging it. Um, no,
3: quite. I mean, they seem to have accepted that now, at least. Yeah. But yeah, so for a while there were lots of mini-series. Like, ever since I started reading comics, every five or six years there would be a random Captain Marvel series.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so this is... And Jude Law. I mean, who, who doesn't like Jude Law? I think that's a... It's an interesting piece of casting. I mean, he's he has wanted to be in a superhero movie for so long. <laughs> and it's kind of surprising that it's taken this long. But I think it's, pr- it's probably good for him that he's sort of... Because he's past the point where he would have got to be cast as, as a lead yeah, exactly, in one of yeah. these. So for him to have found a role that he can actually do... Because I mean, he was—he was originally going to be—he was going to be Ozzy in I think was it either the Paul Greengrass or the Darren Aronofsky Watchmen, mm-hmm. and he was linked with Superman for a good long while in the early two thousands as well. Um, and like by all accounts, I think he is a—he is a proper comic book fan. So uh, you know, it's—it's it's nice to see him get one of these jobs finally.
3: <laughs> is he—he's uh, not problematic in any way yet? Is he?
2: I don't think so. No, that's, I don't. That's good to know. I don't know if he, he he might he might have been a uh, cheating on someone he was famously with in the past. I can't remember. I don't mixing that up with somebody I'm... else. But by by current standards, like yeah. that that doesn't seem too bad. <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> T- tell us if we're wrong, and it turns out that Jude Law is actually a shit bag. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Captain Marvel, a movie that is still happening, although it's easy to forget that that's happening because it's so far off in the slate and. Um... Yeah, I mean it's got yeah, to start just need filming to hurry it's got to start hell filming
3: within a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Really. So
2: and it will be it will be really disappointing if we if we don't get her in Infinity War. Um Yeah. So yeah, we'll just wait and see.
3: Okay. Um so from one movie that they're trying not to make happen to a movie that still I don't think is going to happen.
1: <laughs>
3: uh Gambit has two pieces of news.
2: And uh, I do believe Gambit's going to happen because <laughs> of the Gore Verbinski, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, amazing factoid. Uh, go back and listen to—I can't even remember what episode it was. Was it Incredibles? Incredibles yeah. It was Incredibles. Yeah, where where we discovered that one. So, yeah, yeah so it's going to happen. Gambit I totally turn has, around on it.
3: Gambit has a production date for uh, February 2018, and they've also cast Lizzie Kaplan as the female lead in it.
2: Okay, which yeah, I I mean. I don't know who she's playing. I, I, I assume you'll explain <laughs> that in a minute. Well, um, we'll see. <laughs> um, but I do like Lizzie Kaplan. I think I think she's really good. She's 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 one of those people who, when she like, I can't I don't I can't recall what I've seen that she would have been the lead in. I know she was the lead in Masters of Sex, but I haven't watched that. Um, but she's turned up in films like Mean Girls and Cloverfield. And when she turns up in things, she's usually one of the better people in them. Um, I, you know. <laughs> Uh, but no I just I I I think she's pretty cool and and a, a good actress so um that's you know positive check mark in the gambit column
3: I mean it's not going to be hard to be the best thing in gambit is it
2: Are you are you dissing Channing Tatum? I'm not Joe dissing here Channing Tatum I just I think he's got his <laughs> strengths up for it. and I
3: don't think uh like a French Thief is going to be one of them
2: No Channing I mean I think I've said this before but Channing Tatum should be playing Shazam that is absolutely who Channing yeah, Tatum should Yeah 100% be, <laughs>
3: like the child idea of what the perfect grown-up looks like yeah yeah <laughs> definitely um so who like we don't know anything about who lizzie kaplan is going to be playing
2: do we have um, a name or is it literally they haven't even gone that far? we have
3: nothing as far as i'm aware
2: okay so james bring us your expert gambit knowledge and tell us some <laughs> potential female love interests for gambit okay don't say rogue well this is the thing right as soon as i saw a picture
3: of lizzie kaplan i was like Wow, she would she would be, the she perfect would be an rogue.
2: amazing Rogue yeah. actually. Yeah.
3: Like and Anna Paquin's got her fans I'm sure. Like I was never that keen on the choice in the first place mm. and she plays a different you know the version of the character in the movies is very different to the version yeah. in the in the comics. So if they wanted to recast Rogue and go with a more comics friendly version, Lizzie Kaplan would be a great choice for it. However, I think if they were doing that they would make a bigger deal out of it and I'm not entirely certain they would start recasting chunks of the franchise while it was still sort of mineable. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the other obvious choice for a sort of female Gambit lead is uh, Belladonna, who, if you don't know Gambit's comics mythology...
2: <sighs> we can assume that a lot of people don't know Gambit's comics mythology because didn't almost all of it happen in the 90s?
3: Yeah. And it's all quite bad, so he is sort of the wayward a wayward member of a guild of thieves in from new orleans uh and Belladonna is his sometime love interest from the Assassin's Guild, and you know they were sort of betrothed as children, but Gambit ran out on the sort of union. And so, you know, it kind of plunged the two guilds into um, even more bitter rivalry. And I, This is kind of
2: like a reverse West Side Story.
3: I, th- I mean, I think it's supposed to be a <laughs> Romeo and Juliet thing, but frankly, yeah. I am terrified they're going to use this as the basis for the Gambit film, because all that stuff is... Like, there's never been a good comic about it. It's just flatly tedious bullshit that takes this kind of, you know, mysterious, suave, thief... Sort of lady killing thief and makes him into this kind of sort of turgid, bagged, baggage laden, <laughs> just waste of time.
2: To do, to do a bit of of Joe style devil's advocacy here, um, what after what we talked about in the last episode about it being pretty great that. Fox are looking to sort of do lots of different genre things with the various X properties might it not be a good thing if their Gambit film is a romantic melodrama
3: (laughs) I mean the the tone I would be looking for for a Gambit movie is kind of
2: a heist movie
3: yeah well Maybe not even a heist movie. Like, I would not be a million... I would not be upset if it was, like, along the lines of Romancing the Stone. Like, that kind of mismatched thing where they're on, like, a sort of quest or something. Mm. You know, I can see that working within the context of, here's a guy who has to steal some stuff.
2: Do you know what's really weird and really easy to forget when it comes to Gambit? Go on. There's already been a Gambit. (laughs)
3: Right. <laughs> this
2: universe and these films. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know if they're just going to do a Deadpool and go down the direction of completely ignoring... I mean, there is precedent for completely ignoring Origins and just doing what you want to do with them afresh. Or I wonder, is Channing Tatum going to be playing an evolution of the Taylor Kitsch version of the character because as I say it's like I literally only just remembered a couple of minutes ago <laughs> oh yeah there was previously a Gambit in these movies
3: I severely doubt there will be any reference to those films I think they're going to do what they did with like Nightcrawler and Angel yeah. and uh, Jubilee and just be like here's the same character different context
2: I mean they have that excuse the timeline's been, written, been rewritten a couple of times yeah now, so exactly. they, they really can do what they want with that yeah um,
3: Psylocke as well. They did it with Psylocke. Yeah. Like, same character, completely different context, zero continuity, and it doesn't even... There's no way you can reconcile it. Because, mm. you know, why is Psylocke 20 years younger in X-Men Apocalypse? Why isn't there, like, a 20-year gap? Whatever. Like, how does that character appear in both both time periods
2: looking the same? Because because they wanted to put a Yeah, exactly. Because they... <laughs> yeah.
3: Quite. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying the Gambit movie would definitely be bad I'm saying it definitely just won't happen
2: <laughs> I think it's going to happen um, I, think yeah, I mean bad. it looks
3: at this point it looks more like it will happen than any other previous time in the podcast because I remember when Joe thought it was going to happen in 2016 <laughs> even at the end of 2015
2: wow, that's how long we've been talking about Gambit yeah, even in the podcast. end at the end
3: of 2015 Joe did his box office predictions for 2016 and I was like you know Gambit's not coming out, right? And he put it when... on his list. And it, <laughs> Yeah.
2: When that film does come out, we'll have to make a special trip. We'll have to all go to the same cinema. <laughs> Let's see if see we can hire a time, cinema. Which we haven't done since yeah. Batman v Superman. But <laughs> we will think... have to actually go and see that, all, that together. I, th- I
3: think we should uh, see if we can hire a cinema and put on a fan screening of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, double billet with Howard the Duck. <laughs>
3: um... Okay, next news item. Uh, in the last month, we've had both Runaways and Punisher airing on TV, so I thought we should maybe just mention those quickly.
2: Runaways kind of snuck out. I mean, actually, because Gifted's been on as well, I don't know if you want to touch on that. I know you, cause I imagine you're watching it because it's the show you really want to have happen. <laughs> I mean, I but watched... Runaways, like, there was so much hype about that happening, and then I saw... Kind of mentioned that it had started, but it felt like it snuck out.
3: In fact, it hasn't just started. They released three episodes in one go. Oh right. (laughs) So it's you know it's well, it's a significant part of the way through its run.
2: Sorry, Um, yeah, I I jumped away from you saying whether or not you were watching the gifted there.
3: Yeah, sorry, Uh, I I watched the first episode and it was so generic.
2: Did it have sentinels in it?
3: I mean, it had robots. That were Would they have sentinels? counted as
2: sentinels? So you didn't carry on watching it even though it had sentinels in I, it? Because I feel... <laughs> uh, I don't... Yeah. I feel like you should carry on watching it if it's well, sentinels one of the, one it sentinels That was your criteria.
3: One of the reasons I didn't watch it is because Polaris didn't have green hair. And apparently okay. they've changed that later on. Like she <laughs> does now.
2: Well, there you go. Jump back on.
3: Yeah. But I, there was a thing that... There were sort of five X-Men characters in it, and I couldn't tell them apart, even though some of them were different genders, even. Like, they just all sort of dressed in black and had dark hair and grubby faces.
2: We are kind of at this point now where, like... Now, I'm not going to say there are too many superhero TV shows, because I don't mean <laughs> it in that way. I don't mean it in the way of there are too many and they should stop doing them. I mean it in the sense of there are too many... For- anyone to keep up with yeah sure like even if and i you know i i long ago stopped being the kind of person who would try and watch all of them and i think you probably did as well yep. but there are people who do that and i can't imagine now unless you really have no time on your like no time to do anything else like you can't keep up with every tv show that's yeah based on i mean like off,
3: off the top of my head four flower shows with a fifth coming that's not in the flowerverse, but blank lightning's coming. Um
2: yeah. Two X
3: Men T V shows. American yep. Gods, Lucifer.
2: Yeah. I mean I wouldn't count American Gods, but basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh Preacher. Preacher, yeah. The Tick. <laughs> uh Agents of Shield. <laughs> Gotham. Yeah. All of the Netflix. And then uh, how many Netflix are we on? I mean, okay, they're not running concurrently. I but, mean there are six
3: know. six Netflix properties at the moment
2: yeah riverdale Riverdale yeah Riverdale Sabrina spin off coming soon it's you know I mean it's a, as I say, I don't think we're at a point where there are some people who will be annoyed by there being that many um I don't think we're at a point where you'd quite hit fatigue with them yet, are <laughs> oh,
3: walking dead you know, and it's spin off
2: yeah, of course, <laughs> only the most popular TV show in America still <laughs> um but yeah, so it's I, I I sometimes feel like I should be watching more of them than I am. I mean, I would know, do nothing else so that we can talk about them on here. But I
3: would be watching more of them if they were better.
2: Well, that's the thing. Most I of mean, them it's... are
3: quite bad. I mean, I generally feel like all of the teen superhero shows. None of them. They're all doing. They're all trying to do what Buffy did, and mm. not as well. Gotham. We forgot Gotham. And the fourth I said, coming, I said Gotham. Uh, but Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot the fourth coming. Of course, Krypton.
2: Krypton's on the way. But yeah, it's like I, f- I do feel bad that I dropped off um you know flash and supergirl which were both doing stuff that i liked but i think it's just the length of season and the length of episode yeah you know and it's ju- and i'm the kind of person who if i fall one or two behind on something i'm just never going to get caught up mm-hmm. so um yeah and i mean just yeah,
3: to swing it's... it back around to what we were originally talking about yes yeah, sorry yeah like, I just went off on a bit of
2: a <laughs> sad tangent i've watched
3: <laughs> i think 8 episodes of the punisher now mm. and you know, I'm really trying, but it's there's a lot of it. Yeah. And it's all out in a short space of time. Um, For what it's worth, I think it's probably... So far, like, with the caveat that I haven't seen to the end, I think it's probably in the top three Netflix series, depending on how you feel about Jessica Jones. For me, it's mm. the second best after the first Daredevil season.
2: I've, I've seen people expressing concern about its politics but you're always going to get that with the Punisher well and that's I ju- the problem. I think I think you know that aside it's really hard to get the Punisher wrong I think I mean just look at look at the flipping <laughs> Tom Jane movie which is an objectively <laughs> bad movie on so many levels but we still enjoyed it and yeah. it's like you know I think <laughs> I mean, I think I, I don't think you have to work hard to to do an entertaining Frank Castle, even if you do yeah, have to he work just has hard to be, for it to be politically. He just not has to be like the
3: ultra straight man in a world gone completely mad. Yeah, and like there's a there's a real appeal in the simplicity of. I've seen a problem, so I'm going to shoot it until it's fixed. Mm. Um. Yeah, sorry. I should say when I say it's my second, <clears throat> yeah, I I think it's the second best. I mean that in terms of the quality of the storytelling like my problem with the punisher series so far is that i'm not getting any like fanboy thrills out of it like it's like they've taken the concept and gone okay we've got this story you want to tell about like ptsd and here it is and it just happens to be a punisher series because they had the license i am enjoying it and I think it's the only one, the, the, the only Netflix series since all season one that hasn't had me like hanging my head in my hands from just sort of stupid logic leaps and bad scripts writing. So on that level, I think I can recommend it. Whether it's actually going to excite superhero fans is another matter.
2: Fair enough. Yeah. And, uh, Runaways. <laughs> Runaways. I've not seen, <laughs> but I
3: hear that it's a very close retelling. Uh, like it's an expanded, the expanded retelling of the Brian K. Vaughan series, and he's on it as a producer or something, or maybe not okay. a producer, maybe like an advisor or something. Um,
2: I mean, that sounds like something that I assume Runaways fans would be happy with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which makes me sound really distant from Runaways fans. Like it's like it's this thing that I have no interest. In. Like I've read the comic; it's pretty good, but. Yeah, Um, the thing is, I think
3: the comic, like, when it came out, had a massive following of people who sort of, it was, when I read it, it was, like, a very competent, well-written comic about, you know, superhero kids Mm. or whatever. And it was, like, if I'd never read that, I would have been excited, as it was, I was just like, oh, yeah, here's, you know, the latest version of Generation X slash New Mutants slash Teen Titans.
1: Hmm.
3: So I think it it found its niche, but even though I read it, I wasn't in the, the audience for it. So I don't have any great sentimental attachment to it.
2: Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do um, what they did with killing off a certain beloved character... <laughs>
3: Well, that's one of the few changes they've made is to that character in that they've cast someone with a very different body type to the comics mm. version. Oh, have they? Yeah, which is upsetting people justifiably because, you know, yeah. it's not often you get a, a fat person in a comic who isn't evil.
2: Yeah. So. Have they got the dinosaur?
3: <laughs> Surprisingly, yes.
2: Oh, they have, yeah. Just, just Googling this and just looking, they they have got old lace. Wow.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to check it out because I'm not. Cloak and Dagger's coming as well, actually. Just remembered. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't going to check Runaways out because, you know, I'm not super interested in it, but the good word of mouth has made me think, oh, I'll, I'll give it a look.
2: Yeah. So, that's an update on TV that we're not watching, but one <laughs> TV that you are watching.
3: I am yeah. watching The Punisher, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the Justice League Fallout briefly?
2: Yeah, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> so just so Justice League uh, has opened. I mean, it, it had opened by the time we we did our podcast. On by it this because, point, hopefully,
3: uh, it won't have closed.
2: <laughs> that's not necessarily a given. I mean, DC have resorted to putting out new posters with the words <laughs> "now playing" on it. Now, obviously, there's another notable thing about those new posters, but it was the "now playing" thing that really struck me. Yeah, like they're having to say hey to people, "Hey guys, we're still here," because it's. I mean, it. it you know it was always going to be, the, when you come out of the film, it was always going to be the case that it would be a film that really would not stick in people's memories, but it is not sticking in the pop cultural memory. I mean, at least what you could say for, I mean, again, we keep carrying it to Batman v Superman, but Batman v Superman was such a fascinating mess that people could not stop talking about it for weeks yeah. afterwards. Even if all they were saying was, was laughing at Martha and the Jar of Piss, like, they would. <laughs> talking about it yeah so
3: far justice league is currently less popular than cgi superman mustache (laughs) like that's that's what the film has been reduced to is one screenshot on
2: twitter yeah and it's just you know it's just it's just it's i mean it won't have it's not like it's gonna have ended up losing money at the box office
3: (laughs) you say that like
2: no it's it's not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna end its run having made less than three hundred million dollars it'll', well, it'll no, hit, but again, it'll hit the amazing spider man mark three
3: hundred well remember three hundred is the production budget then you've got the marketing on well, top of it yeah. it's gonna like a film like justice League i think would be typically expected to double its budget to break even mm. and it's not gonna get anywhere near that surely maybe worldwide it might
2: nothing i th- I, th- I think worldwide it'll make s- it'll it'll hit seven at least. Yeah. But the point is the fact that we're even talking about it in those terms. <laughs> um, you know, for it especially for it to make less than Wonder Woman um yeah, is that's... is remarkable. Definitely. Um but also, yeah, I mean the the the, the stuff that's kinda of coming out after us, as I say, you know, with, with these posters, they've they've now admitted that Superman is in the movie. <laughs> and it's just it is just the most staggering like we again, we've talked about it before, how awful a marketing thing it was to pretend that Superman wasn't in the film. Yeah,
3: As someone the, on Twitter put it, to pretend that the third most popular fictional character in the world <laughs> is not in your film.
2: Yeah. So you you, you have got a, a symbol that is one of the most recognisable symbols on Earth mm-hmm. behind the, the McDonald's arches and Mickey Mouse <coughs> ears. And you keep that off. Actually no, they did keep the symbol on the posters because they kept it in the you can't save the world alone text. So they did <laughs> keep the Superman S. But the point is they keep Superman off these posters. The film comes out Everyone goes, oh, Superman was really good in Justice League. Like, I, you know, in any... Anywhere where I've seen people talking positively about Justice League and and not Wonder Woman has pretty much been people going, oh, and they got Superman right for a few minutes. That was nice, (laughs) wasn't it? And so now they've gone, oh, we should probably tell people that that a nice, happy, shiny, brightly coloured Superman is in this movie, so let's reissue these posters with him added in. And it, you know... If that poster had been out before the film came out, it would have increased my interest in the film because I would have gone, oh, wow, they've brightened up Superman's costume for this film and he actually looks like Superman. That's, that's slightly I mean, increased again, my I think, interest in seeing it. I think
3: I said this on on the um, Justice League podcast, but I always go to like, my parents, as in, if my parents saw the Justice League poster, would they know what they were looking at? And the answer is yeah. no. Whereas hmm. if they saw if they saw it with superman on they'd be like oh it's a batman and superman film yeah and that's the kind of audience that you have to ultimately get into your films to really sell them like otherwise you're just playing to a you know the doctor strange audience of nerds who will watch anything nerdy Yeah.
2: yeah so it's it's basically not been much of a success it's it's it certainly hasn't had a critical hammering, and I you know it, I think it's even had some reasonably positive reviews. I mean, that's well, I mean, not so all the stuff about runt Tomatoes again. Yeah, I mean after um, the
3: after the first wave of people saw it, I think a lot the lower expectations definitely helped. Yeah, because a lot of people came out going like, oh, actually, that was quite okay, <laughs>
2: <But> <laughs> which the... isn't
3: what you're aiming for.
2: <laughs> no, but, you know. and so a, a, a predominant reaction has been from. Uh, the Zack Snyder fan base, <laughs> who are now convinced that this was going to be the greatest superhero movie of all time until Warner's and Joss Whedon stepped in to tear it to pieces and ruin it. This goes against the prevailing popular view, which is that Joss Whedon came in and polished a turd <laughs> um, <laughs> with moderately successful results. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's been, I'm sure you'll have all seen, there's been this petition to To get Warner's <laughs> to release the Zack Snyder cut, um, which I, might... I imagine would have would have just been about forty minutes of of um, racists kicking over a vegetable stand. <laughs> I um, might go and
3: sign that petition actually because I kind of wa- <laughs> I do want to see it. Right.
2: I mean, from a from a film history point of view, it would be interesting to see the version that we didn't get. Yeah, just I mean, as well... <sighs> just as with anything, it's always interesting to know about the this versions is, that we didn't get. This is the get. thing,
3: though, right? Because that film manifestly doesn't exist because no like you can't make a superhero film these days without having reshoots at the end like the only time that's been done apparently was wonder woman and that was because it was a very sort of tight cheap production with a singular vision at the heart of it whereas we know that Zack snyder has a lot of back and forth with studios on all of his movies
2: Mm.
3: and and so like best case scenario there's going to be an assembly cut of Stuff that would have been reshot. So that it's not like there's a Zack Snyder finished version of Justice League that no. they can release. Like the best you can get is maybe he could go and cut together his like first first assembly cut with Joss Whedon's reshoes to make some similar version.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns.
1: Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
3: ...of what he made, would have made. Like, it's, there's a, this kind of crazy conspiracy that the Zack Snyder Cut exists and is being withheld. Yeah. But it just doesn't. Like, it, that's not how movies work. Hmm.
2: I like that. Um, so, one of the people who's who's spoken out is Zack Snyder's son, uh, <laughs> Jet. Uh, woo, 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 That's
3: a Scientology woo. name, isn't Jet. it? Jet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> is Snyder
3: a Scientologist? Uh,
2: I don't know, but he's an Objectivist. Mm, no dear. Um, That's almost so, as bad. Well, I mean, it it explains so much about his work. When he, <laughs> uh, it, I think it was it was, it was uh, our former guest and friend Andrew Ellard who said on Twitter that, like. Almost all of Zack Snyder's superhero stuff is about the idea that teaming up doesn't actually work.
3: (laughs) I mean, that's what Justice League is about, right? (laughs) Man, he should make the Mr. A movie.
2: (laughs) But yeah, so uh, Jet says, On a more serious note, I did enjoy the movie, although it's clearly not what it could have been due to the meddling of Warner Brothers and the forced comedy. The runtime was my biggest gripe with the movie, with events that should take a long time over in a flash. Now, on the, in, there is one sense in which I agree with him, and we talked about it on our on our spoilery episode, which is that when you get to the end of the film, you're like, shouldn't there have been something else happening here? Mm-hmm. But equally, you know that what he means by that is that Zack Snyder would have had a big slow motion CGI <laughs> yeah. battle scene that would have lasted for an hour. So <laughs> events that should I,
3: take a long time over in a flash. <laughs> yeah, it's like what should take a long time, like kicking over, a, <laughs> kicking over a fruit stand, for example.
2: But I do find it interesting as well that this... this uh, the, the report that I've clicked through to find this is a report on a website called MovieWeb. And it, it leads into this quote by saying, Though Jet enjoyed the movie, it seems he feels Warner Brothers were the ones responsible for the forced comedy that has been so thoroughly criticised. Who's thoroughly criticised it? Most people I've seen have said it's the comedy bits that have actually saved it from being a relentlessly grim yeah. affair. You know, when we were talking about... Um, how bad Aquaman is generally and then he has one funny bit (laughs) that was obviously a Joss Whedon edition. I'm not saying that everything that's a joke succeeds and I think there are definitely moments where it tries to be funny and doesn't succeed. I think think Affleck's
3: Batman (laughs) cannot deliver a joke. But there are as
2: many moments where the levity absolutely, you know, (laughs) means that at least you've
3: got something to enjoy in a scene.
2: Yeah. But anyway, we don't need to keep reviewing it. It's just, you know, this is the sort of, this is what's been going on since it came out basically everyone has kind of gone yeah that didn't really work but everyone's got different reasons as to why they think it didn't really work (laughs) uh and the main thing is that we have you know beyond the fact that there are uh an there's an aquaman movie actively being made a cyborg movie purportedly being made and a flash movie purportedly being made and obviously wonder woman too um No one's really got any idea what's happening next with Justice League itself and and whether that concept is going to be carried on at all. Yeah, Um,
3: I think it'll be a while before they do a Justice League sequel. Yeah. I would say 2020 earliest.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, Okay, so we've stabbed that corpse enough times. (laughs) Let's carry on with the movie news. Uh, Just quickly... James Franco is making a Madrox, is apparently cast as Madrox, in a Madrox movie. Uh, We talked a little about this at the start of the Justice League podcast.
2: We did, yes. So I don't
3: really want to go into too much detail, except to say that the Madrox comics, specifically the miniseries and then the volume of X Factor, which followed it up, are really good. And I have no strong opinions about James Franco, which I gather is hard to do. But, um... (laughs)
2: Just wait till we get to Spider-Man 3.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to see a Madrox movie in any context. So that kind of excites me and I would recommend people go and read those comics.
2: It it could be a really canny piece of timing by Fox if they have managed to pin him down because by the time this happens with the talk that's going on around the disaster artist, yeah, it could yeah. be Academy Award winner James Franco. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, who would have thought that a Madrox movie had a chance of being a, a big popular hit? <laughs> Peter David, <Yeah>. maybe. But
0: <laughs>
3: So anyway, that's Madrox. Um, shall we do some comics news? Because, I mean, we don't normally cover comics news, but at the same time, there's quite a lot no, here but... that I feel will have knock-on effects for the TV industry. And also, we hardly ever get to talk about comics anymore because we're always talking about movies. So let's do yeah. that for a while.
2: So yeah, let's jump into two big bits of news that you've probably heard about. But if you haven't, then we'll tell you about them. And if you have, we'll tell you what we think about them.
3: So this is, it's actually one, no, it's actually three smaller stories, but they all feed into a similar, yeah, similar thing. So, I mean, the big news, I guess, for people like us, is that Brian Bendis has announced that he's leaving Marvel to go to D.C.,
2: I mean this is like this is one of the biggest comics news stories that I can remember for a good long while. I remember seeing it and I was I was I think I was it was lucky that where I saw it was Bendis' own Twitter retweeting it because I otherwise wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure comics websites have been relying on this as an April Fools joke for years. It's the it's it's the it's the, the most like weird shift that you could think of to be an April (laughs) Fool's show. beyond Stan Lee goes to DC in like the 1970s which I know he did do a Stan Lee at DC and obviously Jack Kirby went to DC but it's that kind of level it's Mm -hmm. it's someone who has been so indelibly associated with Marvel for nearly two decades like he he started on Daredevil before Ultimate Spider-Man did he was Daredevil ninety nine yeah, or was yeah. that two
1: thousand? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Ultimate Spider-Man started in two thousand. Yeah, I think Daredevil was um, his
3: first thing because yeah. he came on the point, fairly soon after Kevin Smith. So
2: yeah, so it was around yeah, you know, ninety nine two thousand ish he started working at Marvel. Obviously, he has done his own creator own stuff at Image or or which has also been an Icon when he's been Marvel exclusive. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, apart from. A short Batman story a long time ago in an anthology series. His entire superhero career, again, if you don't count powers as a superhero, because it's superhero, you know, but his entire career in superhero comics has been at Marvel. He's done everything there is to do at Marvel, with the exception of the Fantastic Four, and they're not publishing Fantastic Four comics at the moment. Um, but, you know, he's done Spider Man, he's done X Men, he's done Avengers, uh, he's done Iron Man. Hasn't done Thor, but I can't imagine him ever being interested in that side of things. <laughs> um, he's had his ups and downs, obviously. He's, he's done a lot of stuff that people don't like. Tend- a lot when of he tends downs do- recently. Yeah, when he does team books, they tend to not be that good, although I did like All New X-Men. Uh, his Avengers is not popular. Uh, new Avengers was quite good for a bit, because like, he was writing Luke Cage yeah, and yeah. Wolverine and Spider-Man. Um but of you know, he's been he's been writing Ultimate Spider-Man and then following through to Miles Morales Spider-Man for all of that time and it has almost always been excellent. Uh he had a utterly fantastic Daredevil run, which is just is just phenomenal, that Daredevil run. Mm-hmm. And that uh, is responsible for so much of the feel of um of the, the Daredevil TV show. Um, but I think as well Bendis' work feeds so heavily into the MCU movies. And well, I think famously, that...
3: he wrote that first scene with um, Samuel L. Jackson at the end of Iron yeah. Man.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> and this is an interesting thing because he had, and I wonder if this is partly something that's motivated the decision, is that he was really heavily involved in the movies back when the MCU started. Yeah, when they and had the his... uh,
3: Marvel Comics brain trust that James exactly. Gunn was so pleased to have been disbanded.
2: Exactly, that that got disbanded because, and I think. was there not kind of conflict with kevin feige and the comics side of things and so he's not really had any involvement in stuff recently and then in the meantime you've got dc who are well there's i think there's two things that that dc could be looked on as a possibility firstly on the movie side of things they could be crying out for someone to come in and you know give some some storytelling direction yeah Uh, and secondly from a publishing point of view um DC are absolutely kicking Marvel's ass at the moment because DC have had a relaunch that is both creatively, critically, and commercially successful. Um, and they are doing really well at attracting people to come and work for them, as, as evidenced by the fact that they've somehow managed to get Brian Michael Bendis. What strikes me about this is there were no rumours about this. No one even thought... you know there was not like there was something on Bleeding Cool a while ago saying, all oh, Bendis might be going to DC. <laughs> yeah, at least just, if there was, I didn't see it. It just came out of nowhere. It just came out of the blue. It was just Bendis is going to DC and it's happening really quickly. It's like... So there are only going to be a few more issues of Bendis writing Jessica Jones and a few more issues of Bendis writing Miles Morales. Now, to be fair, the Miles Morales book's been kind of dying on its arse a little bit for a while. It does make it clear that this is why they've now rushed out Spider-Man 2, despite the fact that it (laughs) has no relevance to anything that's going on (laughs) at the moment. Um, But... And yeah, so so Bendis is going to be at DC and it's, uh, you know... It's going to be really interesting to see where he goes and what he does. Um, a lot of people think he might start out doing something a bit minor. Um, I've heard rumours of a Zatanna book with Sarah Pacelli, which would be amazing. I've also, uh, Al Kennedy suggested on House to Astonish that, that Bendis would be a really good fit for a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle series, <laughs> which would be nice I to mean, see. The
3: other thing that I think is a virtual lock is that Bendis will be writing Action Comics 1000. well
2: yeah, this is the thing. Action comics and detective comics are going to hit issue 1,000 soon, and Bendis writing action comics when it hits issue 1,000 would be uh, a pretty big deal and hard to resist. Especially, so, again,
3: I heard this on House of Astonished, but Dan Juergens is currently writing that book, and he is... Yeah. I mean, he's... You know, nothing against him, but he's not He's fine. A he's a, He's fine.
2: Yeah, he's a steady hand to have on Superman, but you've got um, he's
3: like he's the he's the DC version of Peter David in that he survived the 90s and yeah. brings in people who are nostalgic for the 90s If you were going
2: to if you were going to nudge someone off the two superman books it would I think it would be more likely him than Peter Tomasi over on superman mm-hmm. um who uh yeah Tomasi and and I think Gleason's been co-writing it as well uh and also he's doing the Super Sons book um that spins out of that um but yeah that would you know it would make sense to to stick him on on action comics and on superman. Yeah. Um I I also think that a suit that superman is a book that could handle his very Bendis way of writing things. You just <laughs> picture Bendis writing the Daily Planet. Um yeah, yeah. you know I could really see Bendis writing Clark and Lois with his David Mamet style dialogue. Yeah definitely. Um, Cuz it's a criticism that gets aimed at Bendis is that his characters don't sound like themselves. They all sound like from and Bendis, Bendis yeah. writing them. And I think with some writers, that's an annoying thing. I think with Bendis, I find it works more than it doesn't I mean, it at be his on the best, right kind of characters in
3: something like Daredevil, it's great it's yeah. when it's team books, and you manifestly have like eight different people doing really similar things that aren't in any way like yeah the when you have a team book, they don't have chemistry because there are too many voices, and they're all the same. Mm. Whereas, Whereas if yeah, it's some, like some... two-handers, it works a lot mm.
2: better. Or if it's if it's people in a, an environment like the Daily Bugle or the Daily Planet, yeah. or it's a crime thing, um, you know, it's uh...
3: yeah, somewhere where they can be more naturalistic.
2: I mean, D, you know, DC doesn't have really so much the real-worldishness that that he thrives in at Marvel. You could see him writing something set in Gotham um maybe a rennie montoya question book it's because it's, it's, i think the thing about bendis is that he is someone who you know he's a he's a bald middle-aged white guy but i think he writes female characters pretty well and he's something of a champion of um ethnic minority characters as well mm-hmm. um you know he's he's created replacements for spider-man and iron man who are both black um which, you know, I think it's partly to do with his his family circumstance because he has um, black adopted daughters. But um, you know he's he's someone who's keen to push superhero comics as not being white and male. I know obviously there's an argument to be made that maybe it should be you know <laughs> female and and non white creators doing it. But I, th- I think Bendis has done his part to push that. Yeah, and I mean so, I think um, as a
3: as a movement I think it has to come from all directions and like yeah. it's no good having a situation where you know someone like Ru Williams can only be written by a black woman yeah like it's um, it's as good to have the character created and then that creates an opportunity for black women to be attracted to the character
1: hmm.
3: as much as anything
2: yeah um so yeah so it's really interesting times and as I say you know it's a it's a real boost kind of for DC ironically given what's going on with the movies but the, <laughs> their comics are, are in a Pretty decent state at the moment, at least in as much as anybody's comics are. At I the mean, moment, it is, which it's it's
3: weird uh, actually because this is like Bendis at Marvel was basically the last remaining remnant of that sort of two thousand mm. early two thousands like Crusader Jamas era.
2: Like he's well, I, I mean, he's representative of a couple of different eras, really, because he's representative of that era which pretty much everyone is long gone. Um, well, I mean, you know, I would say the, the four Ultimate people who of.
3: the four people who typified that era were. Bendy, uh, Jamas, um Bendis and Miller.
2: And Miller, yeah. Um, but also then he was one of the, you know, the Marvel architects in that era, in the sort of, you know, towards the end of the 2000s. Yeah, after Jamas disappeared. Early 2010s, yeah. yeah. And you had the, the writers who Marvel called the architects, who were Jonathan Hickman, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker, Brian Michael Bendis, and Jason Aaron. Yep. Was Jason Aaron one yeah, of them? Yeah, I think so. Uh Greg Rooker wasn't, was he? No. Uh, I know Greg Rooker was never really at Marvel, was he? He
3: every uh, time he's been at Marvel, he's been gone very quickly, a I
2: Yeah. Um and yeah, they're all Jason Aaron is still around, but he's gonna be the only one when Bendis goes. Yeah. Um and it is interesting as well that obviously not only do Marvel not have that group of writers, but I mean they don't they haven't had have a group come up to big, replace them, have they? Yeah, they don't have big names yeah. really. Like I say, a lot is gonna fall on Aaron's shoulders uh jeff lemire is also leaving marvel um you know he was someone who'd been given some of that responsibility but i i like jeff lemire but i've never really read a marvel book from him that i liked no i mean um, they have the thing
3: don't they Of like you look at who the good <clears throat> you look at who the good new talent is and it's all at dc like I can't believe they let Tom King slip through their fingers.
2: I mean, that is that is that is a big loss to Marvel, is the, is the fact that they don't have someone <laughs> well, this like is, Tom King there. This now. is actually one of the uh, things
3: that I think feeds into our next piece of news, which we should probably yeah. get to. So, shortly after Bendis was announced as leaving Marvel for DC, uh, Axel Alonso, the editor-in-chief of Marvel, was fired. Or
2: um, left by mutual consent. Yeah.
3: Uh, was replaced by uh, C. B. Sabotsky, who, I mean, yeah, it's strange because he's not been a big editor at Marvel for a long. Like, he was never a big editor at Marvel. Like, never a he, big editor anyway. Yeah, wasn't he wasn't like your Tom. Like when Quesada left, Tom Brevoort and Axel Alonso were like co-head of Marvel editorial mm. for a while until the thing, until I'm, it fell I'm... on Alonso.
2: I'm surprised that Tom Brevoort didn't get this job. I mean, Actually, I you would have think... thought he would have been the one. Well, to... this is the thing
3: because when when Cebulski was announced, you said to me, "Is this because of how pop, uh, how important he is to Disney?" And I think mm. that is absolutely why he's got this job, because he's he's someone who has a foot in the Marvel and Disney camps. Like he was the sort of main Marvel liaison to basically the whole of the like Eastern Hemisphere. Mm. Like he was as far as I know he spent the last year in China expecting to stay there as Marvel's yeah like talent acquisition arm in China
2: and that's those words talent acquisition i mean that's what he was known for in the US before he went off to yeah. to move upwards at disney was he was quite renowned as being the guy who you would go to at conventions for your portfolio review mm-hmm. uh and was very as far as i gather it was very well regarded in terms of fostering talent both in terms of being able to find it and also being someone who people really like to work with like he's someone who i've never seen anyone in the industry have a bad word to say about him oh. and i mean and i think
3: like he's he's done his own comics and he's edited comics and they've all been fine yeah but people love him
2: i think that's the thing it's it, it's less of a creative decision and more of a Decision of who can, can someone who can bring in creative, yeah, uh, because that's what Marvel need. Yeah, you know, nothing emphasizes it more than the Bendis departure. Um, but it's clearly something that Axel Alonso was having trouble with. I mean, there were a lot of things that Axel Alonso was having trouble. with, And Axel Alonso, you know, Axel Alonso worked at Vertigo, not when Vertigo were quite at their absolute peak, but you know, they were still Vertigo, and he still edited some really good comics. So it's not that he didn't have the credentials, and he'd done good work at Marvel lower down. I don't think anyone could argue that in the top job he's been a success. Yeah, I mean he and I think he's alienated some readers and <laughs> and what's ironic actually is like I kind of went off Axel Alonso because I saw him making some comments along the lines of, you know, not wanting I don't think he necessarily used the phrase SJW although he might have done, but that he didn't want Marvel, you know, he was he was hedging his bets basically because he was obviously trying not to annoy the anti-SJW brigade. But in doing so, he annoyed people like me who don't <laughs> want to give that anti-PC voice, you know, yeah, any yeah, any sure. air. At the same time, if you look at what the reaction among the people who hate SJWs has been to Alonso's departure they're all delighted because they think in the last few years Marvel has been overly sjwified and that Alonso <laughs> is the symbol of that. And it's like, no, he was trying to pull back yeah. from it. And also, some of them don't seem to know who CB Cebulski is because they seem to think because again, they hate this whole I'm not going to go into it, but like if you look up milkshake Marvel and that whole thing. You know, they hate this thing of like young female creators and editors coming into Marvel. And they seem to think that C.B. Cybilski will move them away from that. But if that's the case, I've got news for them. Because that's exactly the kind of creators that, <laughs> that he was, I would expect he'll bring in more of. Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, being editor-in-chief of Marvel is always a difficult position. Because I mm. think in the company's entire history, only two people have ever been promoted out of that job. And one was yeah. Stan Lee, and the other was Joe Quesada. And Axel yeah. Alonso was no Joe Quesada no um personally i would have liked to have seen him gone a couple of years ago i think basically Mm. i could point to a number of things and say like he screwed it up here but i think after secret wars would have been a good time to go well that didn't work (laughs) i mean ultimatum was probably the first time i was like actually this guy doesn't know what he's doing because they're in (laughs) perpetual reboot mode yeah so Ultimatum would have been the first time where I started thinking like he's lost it. After Secret Wars didn't really catch fire. Like Secret Wars itself was a great event, but the comics that came after were, and during were, incredibly confusing. And the the relaunch stuff didn't last very long at all. Um, yeah. And then Marvel Legacy has been an absolute shit show. So I can understand why someone would have looked at the, you know. Looked at the way DC has been performing recently. Looked at Marvel's comparison to it over the last two or three years. And then seen Bendis leaving and gone, okay, we've had enough of you. You yeah. you did all that and you let Tom King go.
0: <laughs>
3: you clearly don't know your job anymore. Yeah. Like the reason he kind of has to be replaced at this point is that um, basically since I've been reading comics marvel has been like the top dog in the industry like there are maybe a couple of months where dc maybe pulled ahead in terms of unit share or dollar share but generally for pretty much the last 25 years marvel has been in one way or another out in front like creatively financially popularly
2: Mm.
3: and that's in the last maybe three or four years that's flipped around so, at this and point, and
2: certainly in in the last year, yeah, sort d- of, like a you know, year and a half, more since, strongly. Since Rebo, like I think,
3: yeah. yeah, I think maybe they were kind of level for a bit, and now DC is unquestionably on the cutting edge. So, yeah, it, it's well past time for Axel Alonso to leave his job. I think,
2: yeah,
3: and I think Sapolsky Sapolsky is as good a choice as any. Like. I think Tom Brevoort has his place at Marvel but I'm not sure it was ever going to be in charge. And certainly if I was Disney I wouldn't be promoting someone internally.
2: I think I think with I think the thing with Brevoort is it would not have felt like as much of a statement as well because he's he's of this era of Marvel. Well, I mean he's of, he's of many eras of Marvel. I was going to say but, he's been around um, <laughs> since the since the 90s. But I mean in terms of, you know, he's He's almost too obvious a choice, and this feels like a hire that has been done to deliberately make people go, Oh, okay, Marvel are maybe changing direction a little bit.
3: Yeah, indeed. And
2: brave wouldn't have been that because he's such a company man. I mean,
3: what know, I really dude. hope for is a kind of what happened when Joe Cosada came in, which was basically a year and a half of him looking at every line of Marvel Comics and going, Okay, Taking I'm going to cancel everything <laughs> and come up with something new and yeah. exciting yeah so uh, the frankly the sooner the original five x-men get sent back to the past (laughs) the better because even i as a hardcore x-men fan i'm getting bored to shit of this stuff
1: yeah
2: so interested times at both marvel and dc um but yeah i think dc can probably have a bit of confidence that they're getting the big a-list headline stuff and and marvel need to be the the risk-taking underdog, at least in comics terms. Mm-hmm. In movie terms, it's almost the exact opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> D- DC movies need to take some interesting risks. Um, but yeah. I mean,
3: I think they took a real risk with Justice League. It was probably just wasn't <laughs> interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, they didn't see it as one. They thought it was uh, a home run. So yeah, that's a, a longer-than-expected run through some recent comic book movie and comics news. Um... Yeah, so we'll be back with another episode, uh, hopefully in about a week or so's time. Depends how quickly we record and edit it. Uh, we're going to be doing the uh, Disney superhero film Sky High, which is good news for me because I just signed up for Disney Life, so I can watch <laughs> it on there. It is on there. Um, I'm quite
3: excited because they added gargoyles to Disney, Disney Life recently, so I'm going to rewatch that.
2: Okay. You're going to cover it on the podcast? Does it count? Is it based on a comic?
3: they did a gargoyles comic but it was really bad
2: okay but it was the other way okay although
3: there is there's one issue of the 90s gargoyles comic that's drawn by amanda connor
2: wow yeah it's good it's a bit like the way there's that ren and stimpy comic that was written by dan (laughs) slot which i own (laughs) yeah and you bought me a comic oh yeah of course yeah yeah. (laughs) um yeah so yeah so we'll be back with sky high um Maybe not before the end of this month, but I think in in early December we are trying. <laughs> I to think get we're back scheduled. We're regular... scheduled to
3: record it in December the second. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we our schedule. We we keep scheduling things and then it slips a bit. But I think we're gonna we're gonna get ourselves through to Christmas. We're gonna get sky high. We're gonna have our awards, and then in the new year we'll be able to get back onto a, a cleaner schedule. We've got some pretty big ones coming up at the start of the year. That dark Knight.
3: Be... We're gonna do Dark Knight
2: spoil it <laughs> i've also got a suggestion for what to do after that but i haven't talked about it with you guys yet so, <laughs> okay. so that'll remain a mystery uh but also in the meantime uh, a bit of another bit of pod related news is that i mean you're obviously listening to this already so you're one of the people who actually still still listens to it or listens to it by normal ways but we are now on spotify you might even be listening to us on spotify uh, but if you're not but you have Spotify, if you go and listen to us on Spotify as well, you could even just leave it playing through a load of the episodes. Um, <laughs> that'll, that'll really help boost. If we, if we get some popularity on Spotify, that'll, that'll help boost us overall. And hopefully it'll help us to stay on there. Cause I'm not entirely certain why we got invited by Libsyn to go on there. Maybe they invited everybody now. I don't know, but we are on there. So, um, that should be a nice boost for people to find us and listen to us. Um, we do we have any Patreon news james i guess no we patreon covered this on the last week, main no. episode uh james you have now recorded your bonus episode
3: yes i, I will um, i'm planning to edit it it may even be out by the time you're hearing it
2: yeah ranking the mcu so that's a patreon exclusive as a thank you for patreon backers james has ranked every marvel cinematic universe film have you done the tv shows
3: i mean i considered it but i think that's maybe a separate separate okay. podcast <laughs>
2: Um, and i'll be doing one because we've also hit that target uh explaining every dc reboot so i've got i've got some i've got some notes to make before i try and sit down and talk through that one i'm not (laughs) going to do that one off the top of my head um yep so that's that's all still ticking over nicely so thanks to everyone who backs us on there uh i also again i did this on the last episode but i want to since we're here i want to throw in a plug for my new office us episode by episode podcast uh it's called the people persons paper people and it's at people paper or p4 underscore podcast on twitter uh i've done three episodes so far um uh, the most recent one being healthcare from the first season i'll be doing the fourth one uh probably next week um so it'll be out early december <laughs> so listen to that if you like the us office
3: uh james roberts the writer of transformers lost light is a big fan
2: yes he is I'm, I was very pleased by his endorsement <laughs> uh, in, in turn you should read his Transformers comics because they're awesome but we've talked about that in a great length on this podcast before um, yep you can as per usual you can find more episodes of this show at cinematicuniverse.com we will do more with the website at some point soon honest we've just been really busy but we'll get some more stuff on there uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or you can send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Does
3: anyone ever do that?
2: Yes, we do get emails and we do read them. Joe reads them and I sometimes read them. Uh, and <laughs> we do read all all comments on Twitter as well. They, they help to feed and sometimes bash our egos. So uh, keep those ones up. Um, yeah so as I say it'll be unless another Minnesota of some kind gets squeezed in before then because Joe has got a lot of comics to catch up on uh, the next you'll hear from any of us will probably be all three of us doing Sky High so uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you for that hopefully next week goodbye bye